Hello everybody and welcome to the technical area, your weekly football manager podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Gramer once again. I suppose it's a lot has happened since we last spoke. Personally, I've been very busy this week as Dublin Teeters on the verge of a localised lockdown too. The Thiago and Gareth Bale transfer sagas seem to be coming to an end. And it doesn't seem that there's many too many people out there who are too unhappy with the outcome of those stories. We've had plenty of Carabao League Cup drama and penalty shootouts to high scoring games. Even the DFB Pokal last week having a quite a high scoring game that saw Hertha Berlin fall out to Eintracht Braunschweig 5 4. Potential save for Football Manager 21, I think a lot of people are earmarking. And I suppose as well, it's not often Zlatan and Hakan Shanalolu turn up to your local area to play your local team in the European game. So, what are we, 11 years on after Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut on Tala versus Shamrock Rovers? It was Zlatan's touch tonight and Hakan Shanalolu's brilliance that saw AC Milan past Shamrock Rovers in the Europa League qualifiers. Just the latest high-profile team to pass through the South Dublin ways since the stadium opened back in 2009. So, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of positivity we've had there. Despite the results, I think Shamrock Rovers did give a fairly decent account of themselves. And a fairly decent account of the league as well. With Dundalk getting through as well. We have to give them a mention as well. Off to play Sheriff Tiraspol now in the next qualifying round. So it'll be interesting to see how Dundalk go. Especially with the management change there recently. It'll be another interesting team for FM21. But enough talking about a game that's months and months away. As disappointing as it may be. Of course we had the fantastic news today that football manager is free. Free for life, free to download permanently from the Epic Game Store. So if you're that way inclined, if you haven't yet purchased FM21, the Epic Game Store may be your port of call now to get your hands on Football Manager 21. It's 25 past 11 now on Thursday evening I'm recording. It's a little bit later than I expected. But, you know, an hour ago, I did rush out to a parcel motel to collect four classic football shorts. That I ordered from the birthday sale. So thank you very much Classic Football Shorts. You've given me very much a headache now. Which jersey to wear over the next couple of days. But yeah, I am very happy with them. Not a plug. Not anything like that. Just you know. Sharing some of my own personal football news. But this week I suppose it's. I'm doing something a little different. It's something different. I'm going fairly unscripted. Most weeks I write down my thoughts on a Monday, Tuesday, kind of when I set the topic of the pod. I do the research on a you know Tuesday or Wednesday then. And then kind of on the Wednesday then I'd put together the notes I have from my own personal thoughts. I put together the notes of research, bring them all together, use the community interactions to create the usual weekly format you have. A little bit of work you might say, but I always try and tie the topics into something that's affecting me in the game, like a, a problem I need to solve, or if it's you know something I've read during the week, an article or something that may have interested me, that I'd go back and delve in a little deeper. And I suppose this week it's my own personal football manager, say, if that's come into question. Because just a little over a week ago now, 
I think I'm eight days since I've last loaded up Football Manager 20. I finished Season 2 with Bayern. I am not finished with FM20. Not by a long shot. I still have an idea. I want one more team, maybe one more save to finish things off. Am I done with Bayern? Potentially. If, you know, the summer between season, after the second season, doesn't go to plan and I can't get a job, the club I want, I'm going to save the game just before I press the resign button. And I have to look back and say, since I last spoke to you about philosophy, I think it was episode 36, maybe 35, I spoke to you about an issue I was having and how I needed to change my philosophy because of the low block. And I finally took some advice the community members have been shouting about since the Deep Line podcast days. And I'm sure I've been shouting even longer than that, but I was listening back in them Deep Line podcast days and where I first heard this topic mentioned. And that was reducing the number of team instructions, the number of TIs you'd give your team. So taking a low block shape that I developed, I've researched using the articles in that low block episode we did not too long ago, coming together with a, a, a 4 3 3 with you know, three central midfielders, two wide forwards, and a central forward, and coming together to create something totally different than I've ever done before. But if it wasn't easy, it was a balancing act. It was quite tough, and I didn't get it right from the start. But in the second half of the season, things took off. You know, in the Champions League run, I had to play Real Madrid and Barcelona. And playing a shape that I use against the teams that play the low block actually brought me some success. With a few little subtle tweaks I'll get into in a few moments. So although shapes changed and, you know, my own approach to management changed, the philosophy underpinning it all didn't really but did as well at the same time there was a new edge to it for you see up until that point up until the point where i made the change we were the best team defensively in the league and if you remember not too long ago when carlo ancelotti was manager of Bayern munich his defensive mindedness didn't win many plaudits with the munich fans the munich board and many and many of the players and I felt that, you know, I had to kind of move away from being the best defensive team in the league solely and focusing a little bit more on goals, focusing on a little bit more at the attacking end. Because, you see, Bayern, we all know them as a team with a great amount of attacking suave, flair players, players who score lots of goals, exciting players, the Robin and Ribery tandem, Lewandowski, Thomas Muller, even going back just a little bit beyond, you know, and even into the 90s. The strikers and the forwards and the attackers that played for Bayern. I felt that, you know, because we were so defensively sound and attackingly disorganised, it was time for a change. And I had to weigh up the risk and reward aspect, like I spoke about in that last episode. But I suppose from the beginning at Bayern, I did have the intent of playing attacking football. I did make the club record signing. At the time of Leon Bailey for 88 million euros. My first signing at the club. And the intention there was to bring in a quality attacking player. A wide player. Something that Bayern fans would be very familiar with. And something you know could be synonymous with the identity of the club past. And for me I wanted it to be present in the future as well. You know after making that change. Making that addition to the squad. You know I brought in the likes of Timo Werner. 
Ferran Torres, Gabigol, Rainier. They went all out almost on the attacking end of things. Really trying to bring in quality players. Players who make a significant difference in front of the goal. So it's a case of, you know, we wouldn't just beat teams, but we could blast teams away. And in those tight games, we'd have the players with the quality just to see us through, to grab the goal, to create that moment of magic. However, for the first 18 months, we weren't really scoring a lot. We had the odd blowout win, 7-0 here, 6-0 there. In one 6-0 win, Nicolas Sula scored a hat-trick of headers from corners. But at the other end, we were we were miserly. Absolutely miserly. It was fantastic. I suppose that goes back to my own playing days of being a goalkeeper. I didn't really get the chance to you know, put my name on the score sheet. So keeping a clean sheet, that's what I wanted. That was my target going into every match, every game, every season, was to break last season's record. And so at Bayern, you know, with Ren, and even football manager against past, that defensive mindedness hasn't left me. But I felt this year, after earning the move to Bayern in the game, in the save, I felt I needed to make the change. And the change was, I wanted to let the players be themselves. I wanted to limit the number of instructions I gave them. When we sign quality footballers, we sign them for who they are and what they can bring. Often we focus on the attributes. I need an inside forward. I'll search the attributes and find someone. I need a central midfielder who can be, you know, a bit of a box-to-box type guy. I'll search the attributes. I need a fullback. I need this. I need that. And then we put instructions on top of them. We laden them down. And we curb their creativity. And for me, that didn't make an awful lot of sense when I actually sat and thought about it. If you think of great artists, patrons, the patrons wouldn't, you know, guide every movement of the hand. The patrons wouldn't critique every subtle movement and every decision made. They wouldn't lay out everything that had to be done step by step by step. They let the artist be the artist. And that's what I wanted to do with this Bayern team. Really, I wanted these attacking players that I brought in to be the artists, to be these fantastic players I knew they could be. We just needed the platform to go and do it. Now at the start of Season 2, a lot of defensive changes happened. We got a new goalkeeper. Especially being the key one there with the retirement of Manuel Neuer. But midway through this Season 2, defensively, I made a lot of changes, even though we were quite miserly to that point. I changed our line to playing a little slightly deeper. And that was part of the low block instruction to try and increase the amount of space we had on the pitch to, you know, bring out the opposition. Nicolas Sula well, was dropped, played very little in the second half of the season. Now, granted, it was because of a contract dispute and, you know, the two of us had words. But nonetheless, dropping him meant that the centre-backs I played, whether it was Milinkovic, whether it was Pavard, Lucas Hernandez, or even Emery Chan at times, they all had pace. We could play quick defenders, technical defenders, good on the ground. 
decent aerial presence. But nonetheless, we could play footballers at the back. The defensive midfielder became a shield, almost an auxiliary third centre-back when needed. Emre Chan, Javar Schlager for the first half of the season, and then um, Adrian Fine for the second half. And what I got in the 4-3-3 shape was I let the fullbacks push forward. When you've got the likes of Kimmich, Wagnerman and David Alaba, a player is very, very capable of playing further up the pitch. And with Pavard and Hernandez as the two centre-backs, players comfortable at full-back as well, I could let them split and let the defensive midfielder drop a little deeper, almost as a third centre-back. But in matches where the opposition might have played a high winger, so as an attacking midfielder, especially on the left with an inside forward, it seems to be a trend the AI likes. It seems to be a trend I like as well now in saying that. I went for what kind of what I read in zonal marking at the Michael Cox book and have labelled the Guardiola shift. So it's so in the chapter about Guardiola, it speaks about how one game Guardiola played three centre backs, and really what would ha- what, and what would happen would be Danny Alves would push forward on the from the right back, Carlos Puyol would shift across to become the right sided defender, and um, the centre midfielder usually Sergio Busquets would drop into a centre back position, and then the left sided centre back would become then an auxiliary left back. So you nearly had three at the back. And what that done then was you had a strong defensive player marking an inside forward. Players like to cut in from out wide. And you'd cut down the channel. So that was something I experimented a little bit to make this unorthodox three at the back at times. And with troop of player instructions. So if Benjamin Pavard was playing, um, you know, he'd... He'd move wider. The defensive midfielder would become a half-back. And the left-sided centre-back would almost even then become... Would either stay wider or tuck narrower, depending on the uh, right-sided winger. But the Guardiola shift was something that really, really worked. Being able to play extra centre-backs and push attacking players forward from the back further. That contributed so much to our attacking play while also keeping our defence solid in a new way, a way I hadn't considered before. So I suppose it goes to show the value of research. And not only, you know, did I eventually get this working with these group of players, but we set the Brundisliga clean sheet record at 26. 26 clean sheets out of 34 games. We broke the previous record set in the Bundesliga, which we'd set the previous season, with 21. So it was a phenomenal improvement. And it really, really, really delighted me at the end of the season when I saw how well we were able to do. And how well the players really were allowed to play. But up front, subtle changes and tweaks were made. Werner played almost every game as an attack advanced forward. If he didn't play, Robert Lewandowski could fill in as a deep-lying forward for link-up play. Or Rainier, even. It was someone I began to play a little bit further up front. That's almost like that real deep line forward, false nine, giving him a bit of freedom of movement. Just to create that space in as an alternative style. 
I switched to wingers for, rather than playing inverted wingers or inside forwards. Predominantly. So Leon Bailey signed him as an attacking midfielder right. Ended up switching him to the left side of midfield as playing as a winger. But he has the player trait that he likes to cut inside from both wings. But playing as a winger, it meant that there was a variety, a spice of life almost out of him. Gabby Barbosa moved to the right-hand side in some games if he wanted to play kind of for playing teams very defensive. Played him as an inverted winger. And boy, was he phenomenal. The summer signings of Ferran Torres and Dennis Yastrzemski as wingers was phenomenal as well. Especially as we developed our player traits of cutting inside from both wings. Both were lethal, dangerous touches at back post crosses. Whether that's because the FM20 has a glitch or that, I don't know. But nonetheless, it was something that worked for us. But we moved to this trait-oriented attack. So although my player instructions at the back may have been a little bit more strict and limiting, as we moved further up the pitch, it was to allow those players be those players. Put them in certain positions, assign them roles, of course. But let their player traits then dictate just the success that they'd have in the game. And let the player roles really let let them let them shine, let them become the players that I targeted, I signed, and I knew why. If we put too many team instructions in, you're almost telling the opposition your hand because it removes the unpredictability, the decision-making ability of players, of what action they're going to do in each moment. And if we take away that decision-making attribute, if we make the decisions for them, we're become predictable. Easy to thwart, easy to blunt. So moving away from this heavily, heavily, heavily instructed team and let them be a fluid creative side that lets their own natural talents and traits show. Sure, it's open to disaster. Sure, there's a chance of mistakes happening. Of course, we have to embrace that. That's just a fact of life. No risk, no reward. After all, but opening up to the risk and letting these players do their thing. It bore me a lot of success as the season wore on. Especially as matches became 2, 3, 4 nil wins, even if they were nil all up to 60 minutes. Because the nature of the players coming off the bench, the changes they were able to make, just through their player traits, especially. And then we focus as well on the half spaces. So playing this flat midfield three, if we weren't going for the defensive split like we wanted, that we needed against teams who played more advanced wingers. But if we played teams who kind of played 4-1-4-1 type system, we'd almost nearly play two at the back. Let the two fullbacks on support push forward and stay wider, make the pitch as wide as possible. Three centre midfielders, two box-to-box midfielders, or Mazalas. Flanking a central, the central player who's a deep lying playmaker on defend. That really worked for us. That really gave us the dimension we needed, because suddenly we could control the half spaces. Having Bruno Fernandez double up on the right wing, with even treble up on the right wing with Joshua Kimmich from right back, 
and the likes of Serge Gnabry or Ferran Torres or Gabby Gol or Leon Bailey from the right. Assists went through the roof, goals went through the roof. And suddenly these players began to shine. And I suppose that was something I'd stopped them doing up till that point. I'd stopped letting them shine. And by letting them shine now, I was able to see their true qualities. The change in philosophy really that I adopted was simple. To encourage a team built around central key principles, those team instructions that mightn't waver, play wider, press higher, work ball into box maybe, I don't know, whatever key principle it is you decide, but building a team around key principles, and letting the unique players, the unique attributes of each player shine through. Although the title of this podcast might be Attackers versus Defenders, it doesn't have to be your priority. You don't have to prioritise attackers over defenders. In fact, you can let both shine. If you're willing to take the risk, you can let both shine. If you can find a way to let player traits be the key determining factor. Now, I'm not an expert. I have not perfected my method. I haven't. You know, 83.3% of community members poll say they're always their focus is on going for goal. And granted, yeah, the number of goals I've scored might be going up. But nonetheless, my methodism hasn't been perfected. Nowhere near being perfected. But I think my principle is sound. Because you see, for a long time, the community has advocated for using less team instructions and even less player instructions in order to help your team find success. While giving up that control might have been difficult, while giving up that control might have been tough or challenging. Nonetheless, I can see what they're talking about now. And with FM21 not too far away, I know for a fact that this is the way I want to play. And I encourage you to consider it as well. Now just before I finish up, I just want to say thank you for listening, for taking the time to listen as well. I know Really, that many people aren't too concerned with football manager anymore. That football manager might just say, you know, I'm done with it for the year. It's been too long. And of course, we do have to respect and understand the impacts of the lockdowns of earlier, so earlier on summer, late spring, early summer this year. But don't try FM20 and just experiment a little. Look past the quirks that make this game what it is. And value it and give it a chance to try something new. If you've liked 
if you want to keep in touch with me, the podcast, the link's just down, down there below. Come along, say hello. You're always welcome to have a read, a wander, a chat even. The Weird Community Interactions do form a vital part of the podcast. So please, 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 please get inter- involved, interact. Because what you say will be heard and become a part of the podcast. The music of this podcast has come from Pond5. So if you're looking for any stock footage, photos, Pond5 is your place to go. Not an ad. Just credit where credit is due for the cracking intro and outro we have here. Now, as I said, and melt here quite late now on this Thursday evening. I just want to say good night. Or good day. For wherever it is you are. Stay safe. Enjoy the football. Enjoy football manager. Or enjoy the break even like I've had over the past eight days. But I just know on Monday. I hopefully will be loading back up. If I can get over my Star Wars fall, Jedi Fallen Order addiction. But nonetheless, until then guys, take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye now.